Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Bitches on Comics, a podcast making comics more welcoming and friendly, particularly for LGBTQ folks and women readers. Bitches Wanted. I'm Essie Fleenor. And I'm Sarah Century. All right, Sarah. So what are some spooky comics to read this Halloween? I'm talking like Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. Werewolf Bermitzvah. Spooky <laughs> scary. Boys becoming men. Men becoming wolves. <laughs> well, I don't know any that are like that, but what? <laughs> unacceptable. Maybe werewolf by night, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. So sure, I'll put that on my list. So I want to talk about first of all, I've been getting into Kazuo Umizu. I don't know if I said that right. But The Drifting Classroom and Cat-Eyed Boy are both manga comics that are so good. Obviously, just from those names, they're so spooky sounding and good. And they're just as good as you think they're going to be. Also, in Comixology, they have a few collections that I haven't seen anywhere else. There's one that's called Four Color Fear that just is an old anthology of a lot of random 50s and 60s horror anthology comics. I'm a sucker for horror anthologies. I also really love Creepy and Eerie. All of those comics are ones that you can find literally nowhere. But you can try, and they're really good if you can track them down. I read them um, illegally, I guess is the way I would say that. (laughs) (laughs) So also on Comixology, these are all ones that I have on Comixology because I have to pull up different tabs for how many horror comics I read. Sarah lives for horror. I'm obsessed with it. So I really liked Victor Laval's Destroyer. That is an amazing comic that kind of talks about AI and things like that, only through a really interesting lens. I know that we see a lot of these stereotypes. It's really good. Definitely track it down. Redlands by Jordi Belair is another one that is a lot of tropes, but it comes together really well. It's about a bunch of women. You know, they eat the town, essentially. And it's really good. Delicious. (laughs) They don't like the town. And I really like House of Whispers, which is one of the Sandman universe comics. House of Whispers is written by Nalo Hopkinson. Probably going to talk about that a bunch of times because it is one of the best comics I've read. It's fantasy and horror, kind of like a lot of the best Sandman stories are. So that's really good. Definitely check that one out. There's so, so many of them. Oh, you can read the eerie archives, it turns out, on Comixology. So that's nice. Creeping Death from Neptune, which is a book that is really good. I'm sorry, Creeping Death from Neptune? Yeah, so... I need more details. Okay, the person who does Creeping Death from Neptune is Basil Wolverton, who is... Has a great name. Has a great name. and A great horror name. truly have to look at his art to know what you're in for, in a way. He reminds me of Richard Corbin a little bit in the way that his art is so distinctive and kind of bizarre. 
So whenever you see it, you're all set for a horror story. Also, anything by either of those creators is really good. So look them up. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was really good. So Afterlife with Archie. These are all really great horror comics that pretty much everybody is going to tell you to read. So that's what I have so far. And I'm going to ask you some and then I'm going to say some more because I, <laughs> I have love so many horror comics that I love. I love. It. It's like asking a unicorn which rainbow is their favorite. <laughs> You're just like, let me tell you about every single one. <laughs> so some of the ones that I love are The Witch Boy. Some of mine are going to have like more funny or like a YA. It's really gentle, very sweet, but it has like fun spooky and that's by molly knox ostertag who also is now writing for the new steven universe season six which is that's right which boy is super fun too because it's all about gender dynamics and family heritage and you know the curse and the blah blah it's really really cute and spooky i also will tell you about deadpool there's a deadpool team up it's issue 892 soulmates sarah and i've been talking about this one because this is where Deadpool marries Satana. I always like, go to say Zatanna, yes. but it's Satana. Very similar. <laughs> and you were telling me earlier why you love it so much, Sarah. Yeah, I love that comic just because Satana is one of those stereotypical characters that gets kind of thrown to the side a lot. She's mean goth, essentially. That's her whole personality. She showed up a long, long time ago as the sister of Damon Hellstrom. So son of Satan, daughter of Satan. Satan. This is very satanic. But it turns <laughs> out that their dad isn't actually Satan, which is hilarious to me. So for somebody to be like, I'm daughter of Satan, and then 10 years later find out that their dad was just kind of a demon who lied to people a lot. And <laughs> I think that's so funny. Is essentially the janitor of hell, you know, was one of the funniest reveals for me that really doesn't get the credit that it's due. The whole series is funny. That whole story is funny because... <laughs> Deadpool marries Satana and is super uh, into it <laughs> compared to her. She is not. He tries to save her from these nerds who have doomed her to marriage. And she uh, completely betrays him. And it's hilarious because Perfect. he does that to people all the time. So it's really funny to watch Anytime it happen Anytime one, one of Deadpool's wives pulls one over on him, you just feel good about it. Yeah, I You're felt like, You know what, Shikla? It. You're right. You can do better. Shikla Go was right. <laughs> I also really love this comic called Abbott. It's written by Saladin Ahmed and illustrated by Sami Kavela. And it is a story about, it's set in the 70s. It's about a journalist. I was going to say detective. She's a journalist, but she kind of ends up being a detective because she's a black journalist in the 70s. And no one will take seriously the hate crimes against black people. And so she's constantly reporting about them for a major newspaper and ultimately ends up moving to a black-owned newspaper. It's awesome. There are these remarkable, creepy amalgamations of mythical beings. It's definitely a body horror. It's written beautifully. It's illustrated stunningly. The body horror centaur. Oh my Ooh. gosh. And it really grapples with race on the page in I think a way that is really powerful. And about being a voiceless person, even though you're a reporter. She's also just so sexy. I like have a big crush on Abbott. Abbott's bi, thank God. She, you know, smokes cigarettes. She drinks her brandy. She's like for the people. It's really, really beautiful. And I couldn't recommend it more. It's perfect for Halloween. Another independent one that I think is a must read is Infidel, which is written by Pornsack Pichichot and art by Aaron Campbell. It is a fantastic story about xenophobia, 
about, in some ways it's similar to Abbott, which I didn't piece together until I put them next to each other in my mind, but it deals with how racism and Islamophobia become actual entities that impact worlds and create new spaces. So it has some of that good horror stuff where you've got poltergeist or what have you that are haunting spaces. It's beautifully written. It's got multiple representations of Muslim people that I think are humanized in a way that we don't see a lot in comics. It is just through and through beautiful. And the art's creepy. Oh, so creepy. (laughs) And I love it. And then the last one I will say is, I'm lying, there's three more. One is Constantine the Hellblazer, the one written by Ming Doyle from 2015. Couldn't recommend it more. Not only is it creepy, all of Constantine is really generally pretty creepy. But this one's cool because we actually get to see Constantine fall in love. And he and Oliver are so happy together. And it's adorable. And I mean, it ends badly because it's John Constantine. Constantine. (laughs) Like, you can't have a happy ending in a relationship with John Constantine. Sadly. And they go to hell in it. You meet cool demons. There's creepy things in the shadows. Oh my gosh, the art, which is done by Riley Rosmo, is so cool. It's probably my favorite mainstream comics art is from Constantine the Hellblazer. It's really hard to find the Constantine comics because they're all variations of three words. John... Constantine and Hellblazer. So this is the one from 2015 by Ming Doyle. That's my favorite. Then I also would recommend Gideon Falls, which is written by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. I believe they do some of the art as well, or they do the art. And that's a super fun, creepy story, kind of like the one you were talking about where they eat the town. But this one's about a black church that keeps showing up in this same town in different places and then like taking people. And then again, it turns out to be like all about how people are terrible. (laughs) It's great. And the last one is Black Betty, written by Sean Gibberin, art by Michaela DeSacco, and colors by Rosa, Rosa Kaz Rantilla. And Black Betty is dope. She's a monster hunter. She is, like, carries a big shotgun. She has great tattoos all over her arms. She's great. So I think those are all really fun ones that are a combination of scary and funny for the most part. Although, like, Gideon Falls is just straight up creepy horror. I love them all. I really like Clean Room by Gail Simone, which is tonally kind of the same as, what was it, Cabin in the Woods, as far as just kind of throwing a bunch of horror tropes all together at the same time and letting them fight it out in a room. fun. I love that. It is very fun. I also really liked The Wilds, which is kind of social commentary and also horror. It's about zombies, kind of. plants growing out of people's faces a lot and it's really good that's another one that's by Vita Ayala so we'll talk probably a lot about their stuff because they're really great and the wilds is I think the one that made everybody know how great they were maybe the Supergirl run before that was also excellent but so David Hine did a comic that was called Strange Embrace that not a lot of people have read it seems like I bring it up a lot and people give me the glassy eyes (laughs) Or they're not, uh, they don't know. And also are kind of wondering why I keep bringing up comics from the late 90s that nobody has read. (laughs) 
So Strange Embrace is weird and dark and strange. And if you look at the art of it, it's very kind of angular art. And that's a really good series, but it's so creepy and has all of this incestual undertones and dogs that are rabid and just all of this gross stuff from the world that we all really don't want to look at that much. Bringing the forbidden into the conversation. Oh, I like that. And the art matches it so well. It's kind of David Hines' masterpiece. So I would say if you can find it, definitely get that story because it's so, so good. I love Jack Kirby's The Demon. That's kind of a campy fun horror. It's more 70s horror kind of goofiness. But that was before Etrigan the Demon was rhyming all of the time and stuff like that. That was all stuff introduced by Alan Moore later on in the Swamp Thing run. Before that, the Kirby run of The Demon is awesome. It's where we first see Clary and the Witch Boy. Fantastic. Absolutely have to read that. Kirby hated writing it, but... Because he was done, right? He didn't want to write goofy things anymore for DC, and he wanted Fourth World to take off better than it did. But The Demon is absolutely worth it. I highly recommend it to anybody who likes Kirby. Is it Etrigan? Etrigan, yeah. It is him? But it's before Alan Moore, so it's different Etrigan. Oh, oh, It's kind of... uh, Is he yellow still? He still looks the same. Does he fish ears? Yeah, he still looks the same. He still acts the same, pretty much. But he's a little bit more serious. Honestly, I liked him better that way. I liked him better not rhyming. I didn't really think that all of the stuff that Alan Moore added was all that necessary. I feel like he just didn't know what else to do with him or something and was, "Uh, well, let's just make him be a rhyming demon. And that's something that you graduate to and all of this bonkers stuff that's like... We get it. (laughs) We get it. You just wanted to write rhymes for Etrigan all the time. We get it. And kind of made him more sarcastic and stuff, which I'm, as I say, I wasn't as into. I really like The Demon uh, by Jack Kirby. I think that that's one of the best series that you can possibly just buy a collected edition of. And every page that you look at is just going to be really fun and interesting. And it's a good horror story on top of that. Swamp Thing is another series where almost all of the time you're dealing with horror elements at the very least. But I'm going to say volume four, which was mostly by Josh Dicehart, nine through 29, those issues. That is where it gets really intense. And Josh Dicehart also did The Unknown Soldier that was about, I believe people, it was children soldiers in like Uganda and stuff like that. Josh Dicehart went overseas. He also did Unknown Soldier, which was him going and talking to a lot of people who were involved in all of these guerrilla warfare things that were happening. Is it nonfiction? It's fiction. Okay. But because Unknown Soldier is fiction. That's a ah. long-standing DC character, but that doesn't get brought back very often. Unknown Soldier is really good. I think it's somebody is a case of somebody who was on the outside of a situation looking in who also felt like they needed to put themselves more in the situation to be able to understand it and to draw some kind of attention to something that is a huge, huge problem that, of course, we've seen a lot as these sensationalized news stories. You know, oh, they have child soldiers and that kind of stuff. And we see movies that are made about it. You know, you have War Child and movies like that. But we don't know, you know, because we're still very much looking at it away from it. And the whole elements of colonization, all of the problems, all of that gets addressed. And it's interesting because there hasn't been another story like that. Nobody really does that. So I think that that's very much worth reading. But the Swamp Thing Volume 4 that he did that came right before Unknown Soldier was also just 
swamp terror and had all of these just the best art so creepy so creepy he brings in like the creepiest arcane i've ever seen and also did a really good tefe holland she did great she was awesome in that she got a girlfriend and it was really cool for about the 12 seconds that it lasted (laughs) (laughs) so i and i want them back so bring them back bring tefe holland back because i never get to see her it's been forever since i've seen her so Hellraiser, the comics are all really good. So you have the Boom series that was actually written by Clive Barker that's incredibly good. But before that, in 1989, there was an anthology series that was about Hellraiser that had a vast majority of different creators coming in, not telling pinhead stories, but telling Hellraiser universe stories, right? Ooh, so there's the fun. box, and the box is the main character. People find the box, and they interact with it, and that's the story that we get to hear. And there's multiple stories every single issue. Prestige format, beautiful books if you can find the original versions of them. They also have collected them as, I believe, you know, collected Hellraiser edition number 12 or whatever. So that is really good. You have to find that. People like Neil Gaiman, whenever they were first starting out, were doing stories through that. Ted McKeever, a lot of really good artists, a lot of really good creators. It falls completely off the wayside by about issue 15 because they start (laughs) doing uh, 90s Hellraiser garbage stuff Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, here's Rambo Hellraiser, all of that kind of goofy stuff that all sucks so anything (laughs) anything after issue 15 you're pretty much just going to want to check out on but the first 14 or so issues of that series are fantastic and almost nobody's read them so i highly recommend that love and rockets has a ongoing subplot story that's about izzy and izzy is a writer who she in the very beginning is a woman who marries a man in Mexico has a child with him and then for whatever reason has a collapse like a mental collapse mental problems plague her through her whole life she believes that Satan is there constantly trying to bother her tempt her hurt her deceive her all of that right so we don't really know what's going on with Izzy and Jaime Hernandez, who does the story, does a really good job of not letting us know if she is just suffering from mental illness or if she actually is encountering Satan because Maggie, the other character, also sees Demon Dog get up on his hind legs and walk towards her and that kind of weird stuff that you don't ever want to see in your life. <laughs> but Izzy's story is terrifying and it's something where the best thing about Love and Rockets is they just change genres all of the time so you have soap operas you have 90s punk stuff you have all kinds of different stories one of the subplots is izzy's story and that is absolutely a horror story flies on the ceiling is kind of where a lot of that first stuff starts because she talks about being in a room with flies on the ceiling that kind of stuff terrifying i love it She's great. And finally, I'm going to say, obviously, there's a lot of Sandman universe stuff that we could put on here. As I said, House of Whispers earlier. But there is a story arc in the original Dreaming, which is called Tears for a Dark Rose, which is a Corinthian story. But it's a back in the day Corinthian story when everybody's hanging out with Oscar Wilde and drinking absinthe and getting like real shitty. That that time period for literature is weird and dark (laughs) and strange and also really interesting for a comic book because we have this woman once again who she doesn't really know what's happening in her life because she's always on absence she's always being drugged she has opium all of her stuff because she has mental illness so people are constantly pushing drugs at her because she's a wealthy white woman (laughs) you know and she has a bizarre love affair with the corinthian and the corinthian obviously is the guy with the eyes who their teeth yeah mouth eyes terrifying 
already really scary. That guy's scary all the time when he shows up. But Tears for a Dark Rose was probably, to me, one of the scariest Sandman stories because it has that blend of fantasy reality and just that old-timey grossness where you're like, oh, God, in the late 1800s, everybody was doing drugs and, like, gross drugs, hallucination drugs. drugs. All of that is huge in that story and really, really good. So I highly recommend that. There's so many horror stories that I can tell you about. (laughs) Sarah, what is, if you're feeling like reading something creepy horror-wise, what do you return to time and again? comics Mm, well for just gross creepiness i would say probably strange embrace because that's just a terrifying unsettling like any of those stories that just make me look at them and kind of sneer a little bit and draw back a little bit and not really want to delve into it those are the ones i ultimately want to delve into again i love it you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Comic of the Week, Assassinistas, written by Teeny Howard, Art by Gilbert Hernandez, lettering by Edicia Bidikar, coloring by Rob Davis, flats by Robin Henley, plenty of people involved in this comic, which is amazing. Assassinistas, which has a plot. <laughs> <laughs> But it's kind of bonkers. It's really all over the place for me. It was more or less, okay, three women are friends and assassins at the same (laughs) time. It's really good and cute, awesome friendships. Lots of guns involved. 
random threats, some insults, a little bit of name calling, roller skating, having mm-hmm. a great time, killing people sometimes. Yeah. All of the regular Ca- like things. Like a casual. Yeah. Like all of the regular things that you do in your early 20s. <laughs> so she, what happens even to Blood Diamond? Because Blood Diamond is, she's the one who decides to basically just go haywire, right? Yes. All of the time she was the risk taker. <laughs> She's trouble, you know, you've got to keep your eye on Blood Diamond, which the name would suggest definitely. (laughs) But she goes rogue, basically, right? Yeah, she kidnaps one of their kids. So that's how the whole story Mm -hmm. starts, is we have then and now, Mm -hmm. and then... And then they were all, like, young and reckless and having fun and murdering. Having sex. Yeah. (laughs) It's the 90s. What time was it? The 70s? They leave it it now in Venice, but so it reads like like a 70s, 90s mashup. It's because like the, so the outfits good. they're wearing like definitely aren't 70s. And then in some scenes, you're like, well, that's definitely the 70s. It's a disco ball. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The now is when Blood Diamond kidnaps Scarlet's baby. Yes, but Scarlet thinks it's Octavia slash Red October who stole the baby. Yes, which is not what happened. But <laughs> Octavia has her own child. Yes. Whose Dominic. name is Dominic. Who has a boyfriend who is a tender vegan punk. Oh my God. Taylor with his pink mohawk. So it's this crew. And <laughs> <laughs> so basically Red October recruits her son and his boyfriend to be assassins with her. <laughs> Out of college. They were supposed to be in college, but she just didn't have the money to pay for it. So <laughs> she asks and Taylor says, we'll be interns. <laughs> So they're interns to the assassin. And there's like a running joke where Taylor keeps asking for like sleeping darts because he doesn't want to kill anyone. (laughs) And it's just really cute the way they talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this comic is brilliant. It's so funny. Written by Teeny Howard, who is brilliant and has just been doing some of the best comics over the last two years, I'd say. Probably has been writing comics for much longer. But over the last couple of years, we've really seen all kinds of stuff. The Thanos series, all kinds of amazing comics. So this comic is probably one of my very favorites, though, by Teeny Howard. It has art by Gilbert Hernandez, who is my all-time favorite artist. I have a Gilbert Hernandez tattoo. It's very cute. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite parts? I really loved the way that the dad just kind of like shows up, Carlos, and he's like, Hey! And then it turns out that he's known his son is gay for a long time, mm-hmm. and Octavia hasn't. Yeah. And there's this weird tense moment where he walks out, and she's like, how long have you known? And he's like, known what? Of course our son is gay. La, 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 la. <laughs> he's really nice, and he's, like, on his own plane. And then he, I think he says, like, can we go, can we all go out to lunch? Like, about <laughs> all of them, which I just, I don't know, it's just really sweet. It was a nice reversal of what we typically see in representations of moms and dads, where, mm-hmm. like, The mom is doting and caring, which, again, you can guess from the title, Assassinistas, we're not going to have that same experience. Mm -hmm. The whole thing ends up being a really cute meditation on motherhood and individuality and power and responsibility. Like, I wasn't anticipating. And how people change and how they stay the same over time. All of Octavia's problems from the beginning are still (laughs) her problems 20 years down the line. All of the same stuff. And it's the same with all of the characters. Also, it's really funny that Blood Diamond just kind of decides to go wild. She's done. She just (laughs) decides to kidnap kids. (laughs) She snapped. Just the iguana situation. Oh, my God, the iguana. Oh, (laughs) my God. There's like an iguana that Blood Diamond adopts because she's feeling nurturing. And then (laughs) that's like all there is is this 
Ziguana. But then there's like a really good twist where you're like, oh, I well, didn't see that coming. No. This whole comic had a few really good twists. Yeah. And I think um, places where it was just so damn clever. I think a lot of people tell queer stories and there's a lot of pain about the coming out and a lot of, uh, and it's really cute because instead he tries to come out to his mom so many times and she's an <laughs> assassin. So when someone's keeping secrets, she assumes someone's trying to kill her. And so they can't ever finish a conversation. And so it's just sweet. It's a very interesting twist on that coming out conversation. Their conversations are hilarious. Oh, the dialogue the is so good. Yeah, the dialogue is some of the best I've ever read. Always Howard is really, really good with dialogue and is really capable of just nailing it with characters that other people have established. But this is all original stuff, and it's so, so, so good. It's cool, too, if you get one of the tradeback volumes, in the back there's some correspondence between Howard and Hernandez, and it's really sweet how they talk to each other. And she's like, I think it's going to be so cool to have a woman writing this, and you're sexy, but not objectifying drawings of women. I just love picturing them working on this together. They're two of the best creators, and that's why this is just a perfect book. Truly fantastic. Thanks for listening to Bitches on Comics, the podcast that is here to answer your comic book questions and our own. If you'd like to ask us a question, email us at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com b.tchesoncomics at gmail.com gmail does not like the word bitch so if you leave the i in we won't get your email so make sure you leave the i out there is no i in bitch you can find out more about us and this podcast at bitchesoncomics.com if you like what we do and want us to keep doing it there are many ways you can show your support including becoming patrons at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. Also, please feel free to rate and review us so that more people can find out about us. We appreciate your support. Sound is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire, who you can follow at churchfiremusic.com. Theme music is by Earth Control Pill, and you can follow her work at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find my work at sarahcentury.com. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can find me at sefleenor.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This is Bitches on Comics, and we're recording in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and other sovereign nations who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, 
a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.